Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One pitch, fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Welcome in. This is Fantasy Baseball Today. I'm Chris Welsh. That's Scott White. Guess what? We're back for more really, really early positional rank. You wouldn't say too early, Scott. We wouldn't say too too early, early, but we would say just pretty early for 2020. Even if you are a sleuth, you might have already went out and, and have seen that Scott White has put out the ranks over on CBS. Lots of great articles, top 20s, and this is a good accompanying piece we're going to have as we talk about today, the top 20 second baseman. Um, before we get into the crux of all of it, we got 20 guys, some really, really good conversation pieces are going to be had around these players, even an adjustment we had. So here's a teaser. If you read the article, you're not getting the whole thing. Cause Scott White, uh, he uh, called an audible at the beginning of the show. So we got a guy that's going to appear in here that is very, very solid. What do you think about the position? Because we're, uh, later in the week going to be talking about a position at third base, which I think even you in the title of your article said it's really, really deep. What do you think about second base as a whole? Now? <laughs> well, as I was going kind of sight unseen, the other positions, because second base was the third one I wrote. It was the third one I ranked. I'm ranking them as I'm writing them. I'm not ranking them all ahead of time and then writing them. By my conception of what second base should be, it is deep. Compared to every other position, though, it's pretty shallow. So, I mean, from the perspective, let's say you're filling out a standard head-to-head lineup, no middle infield spot, you know, just just the second baseman shortstop. Those are the only two middle infielders you have to start. 12-team league, everybody's probably going to have a pretty good second baseman. But if you start getting into deeper leagues, you know, and, and people are maybe grabbing middle infielders before you take a shot at second base, then maybe you could wind up in a pretty risky spot and uh, having to gamble on somebody who has upside. And there, there, are, there are plenty of guys who have upside. So from that perspective, uh, you know, it's, it's not like you can't make it work if this is a position where you decide to wait. It's just not one of the more advisable positions to wait at. I do think it's actually a really exciting position if you like to see the ups and downs of players throughout the years. Because, you know, I'm looking at your top 10 as we're going to go through these, and you know, you got a guy that bust onto the scene that's going to be very high we're going to talk about in a second. You've got some, um, you know, old but true guys that have always been locked down players for our fantasy teams that have moved down a little bit. And then we've got some young players that are starting to vie for those spots. So this is a really eclectic list of different types of fantasy players. And, you know, pairing them out is going to be a fun experiment here. So let's kick it right off. Number one, absolutely love it. But really, I don't, I, I shouldn't, I was about to say, how could you go any different? You absolutely can because the second guy is really interesting on this list. But Scott White, you went. With my Arizona Diamondbacks, Cattell Marte as your number one second baseman for 2020. Talk to me. Yeah, 
I did, and I don't even know that this is going to be the consensus. I'm with you. I, I don't see how you can go any other way. He was a distant first in 2019, huge breakout season. The fact it, you know, it looked unsustainable at first, and then it got even better in the second half. The uh, supporting stats pretty much say it's legit. I mean, it's going to be hard for him to repeat those exact numbers, but in terms of a guy who hits for average and power, uh, the fact he's going to be dual eligible, second base and outfield, those are two of the positions that might be tougher to fill. I don't, I don't really see how you can go against him. And like, I, I understand it was surprising the year he had, and some people are just ultra cautious when players don't do things they're expected to do. But looking at the underlying changes, I think Cattell Marte is legit. And I think he's far and away the best second baseman. I think it, part of it belongs, like really the big argument is going to be like, well, I don't believe it. Like that's where it's right. going to come from. Like to your point, yeah. all the underlying stuff say, listen, this was a true breakout. Is it going to be 100% repeatable? No, but that's not necessarily what we're paying for. We're paying for proximity to what they did before. But one of the things that's going to come into play when you're looking at who is this next second baseman that could vie for that spot I'm going to jump to your number two guy where you have Jose Altuve. And that's been a guy that I'm telling you right now, even coming into 2020, there's still going to be a large camp in favor of Jose Altuve. I took him in the TGFBI. I had a a close to wheel pick of Jose Altuve and Aaron Judge, and I thought I was in a great spot. Didn't work out so well for me. But I think a lot of people are going to go and end up looking at what Jose Altuve did post-All-Star break. Hit 325, 21 homers compared to a 262 pre-All-Star break. Stolen bases are gone. And that, to me, is the biggest differential you can take with a guy like Cattell Marte, who's going to keep hitting in Arizona. But the bat came back alive. The homers came back alive for Jose Altuve. So it's really, truly about... Do I believe in the one season of Altuve versus do I believe the track record of Jose Altuve? And those two are kind of a great debate against each other. Yeah, the one season of Marte or the track record of Altuve. And I, I, think, I think it'd be easier to believe in the track record of Altuve. And we're, it really comes down to stolen bases because, like you said, huge second half with the bat, still doesn't strike out much. Actually had a career best season for home runs. Who didn't, right? Uh, but he could definitely still hit Altuve. So it's really just, is he going to run again? And considering it's all really changed with the, that fractured kneecap he suffered last year and then played through in the second half, we didn't realize it. You know, he had some issues with the knee early in 2019, too, that spent some time on the IL, and it seems like he just gave up on running because of that. Is that something he was playing it safe with in 2019, or is that... You know, if I'm starting to have leg problems, maybe I should just give up this running thing, like a permanent choice. I, stolen, what part of what makes stolen base tricky? I mean, obviously, there's few of them, and the landscape, the, the way the game is played right now, doesn't really encourage them. But then beyond that, it's just it's skill level is kind of secondary to are you willing to engage in that skill level? It's a willingness thing. It's a matter of wanting to steal bases and. Altuve didn't look much look like he wanted to. And by the way, batting the in the Astros lineup, there's a lot of incentive not to. Well, I was about to say, it, it also could come from the team. I mean, Jose Altuve has not stolen as many bases as he did in 2017 with 18 and 19 combined. So maybe I said that weird. With 2018 and 2019 stolen bases combined, didn't reach what he did. In, yeah, didn't do what he did in 2017, which I believe off the top of my head is 32. So it is. Yep. Uh, the team does not 
want him to steal, nor does he maybe want to steal. And an interesting thing, going over to the two early mocks that uh, Smata had put together here, if you look at the ADP stuff, Jose Altuve, technically Javier Baez listing as a second baseman here was the number one guy, but we've talked about eligibility, and we'll talk about him in the shortstop episode. Jose Altuve would technically come in as the number one second baseman, drafted with a ADP of 34 and a high of 28. Gattel Marte did have a high of 29, but he comes in as the, quote, third second baseman, not counting Javier Baez with Whit Merrifield over him. So there's still yep. not a quite a buy-in to Cattell Marte this year, but yep. his stats justify second-round value that you are going to be able to get in the third. Yes. Yeah, it, it certainly seems that way. He he was he would be in my projected second round Cattell Marte right at the very end, and I'm talking for 12-team leagues. Um, this data we're looking at is a 15-team league. But yeah, uh, I, I, this is something I'm learning about myself. Compared to the industry as a whole, I put less emphasis on track record and more on um, you know how sustainable I think the performance just was, and that I, I don't know. That's kind of surprising to me. I don't think I never saw myself as somebody who disregards track record, but apparently other people value it a lot more, and sometimes they're right. Sometimes I'm right. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> so it's about finding out where you stand. There. And sometimes it's kind of the middle ground. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I think you've noticed this about me. I'll push you a little bit on some stuff to kind of go through it. And, you know, we don't always need to talk points or I'm going to push you in different formats. And I think when we have the conversations, you work through it really well and you're very well researched. So I'm with you on the Cattell Marte front. I don't think that Jose Altuve is not worthwhile, but They're I consecutive. For yeah, me. they're they're back to back in my overall rankings that oh, I've overall. only barely started to put together. Yeah. Okay, so not just even positional. Okay, so that right. says a lot too. But like I have, um, and this is probably where you and I are going to differ a little bit in 2020. I have a little bit more of a push I want on stolen bases in the early rounds. I don't love trying to get crazy about making up my stolen bases late. It's not that it's not a good strategy because your investment is lower, but I think the track record of hitting is lower. I think there are plenty of guys in the first three rounds, especially if you can hit on two of them, where you can make your bank on stolen bases and they can be safe enough. There's some safe options not out there, but you know we saw Ronald Acuna and Christian Yelich be able to provide that if you took them over like lockdown players like Nolan Arenado and J.D. Martinez, which not everybody was doing. So a little bit of a strategy difference between you and me, but it might be philosophical between Cattell Marte and Jose Altuve. Now, number three, though, Mr. Scott White, there is a heated debate on the internet right now of the best sub 23 year old hitter, Glaber Torres or Juan Soto. You have Glaber Torres as your third second baseman on this list, but if I just had mm -hmm. to prod you a little bit, who do you like, Glaber Torres or Juan Soto moving forward? Well, I have Juan Soto ahead of any second baseman, including my number three second baseman. So I would say Juan Soto. And uh, kind of curious that Ronald Acuna isn't part of that discussion. I, I don't know what that's it, about. Well, here's what it is. It's a troll job. People are trying to troll. <laughs> I think people are trying to uh, poke at Yankees fans a little bit, where Yankees fans yeah. are getting a little up in arms about Glaber Torres versus Juan Soto. Juan Soto is not to be denied at this point. So I'm just I'm just poking at the internet a little bit. But talk to me about uh, your number three second baseman on the list, Mr. Glaber Torres. I, I suppose if you look at the underlying numbers, um, you could say he overachieved a bit this past year and hitting 38 home runs, but the same was true last year. So he's done 
you know, to me, he more or less validated that 2018, the way he kind of came up and surprised with the power. I think the power's legit. I don't know that he's going to hit quite 38 home runs again, but, you know, he'll hit he'll hit a lot of home runs. He improved the strikeout rate in his second year, I think, in a meaningful way. And just the fact that he's already this established as a 22-year-old batting in the Yankees lineup, which is, of course, going to be loaded again next year, too, and all the advantages that come with that in terms of RBIs and runs and and all of that. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think there's, I don't think there's reason to downgrade Torres uh, based on anything I see underneath. I mean, I think there's an argument that if you want to start talking about value, Glaber Torres with his 38 homers only had five stolen bases. Compare Glaber Torres versus uh, Jose Altuve, and I see Torres going an ADP of 41 as the six or you know quote, fifth, if you take out Javier Baez, second baseman from the two early mocks. What what differential does Glaber Torres and Jose Altuve have? Or what is the difference between the two that's significant enough for you to reach on Altuve and not go for Torres? Well, uh, that might be where track record partly comes into play. Uh, also, batting average more specifically. I mean, Altuve, you expect him to hit 300. Torres... You expect him not to. Yeah. Uh, he hit 262 in the first half for Altuve, but 325 in the second. So, I mean, he got yeah. it back together in the second half, but he was struggling right. in the first half. A lot of, lot of worry warriors out there about Altuve in the first half. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he was dealing with an injury for part of the first half. I, I think the fact that he struck out just 15% of the time this year, I mean, that's still, it's a little higher than he has for his career, but... You know, it's it's still an elite rate, obviously. He's making a ton of contact. Um, I will say Altuve sold out a little more for the fly ball in a way that makes sense in this environment. And so, you know, maybe numbers like the XBA don't reflect as favorably on Altuve as usual. But, I, uh, you know, when you have that kind of established track record, see? I, I value track record. See, look at that. I, I I don't think you could get too worked up about the XBA when, you know, he's more or less delivering what you expect him to at the plate. I think there's there might even be a little underselling on Torres coming into this year of like people questioning or maybe positionally just not having a value on him, but a lot of big power numbers. Last guy before we uh, hit a little break here, number four. Not sure if he belongs in the same tier of the guys we talked about, and frankly, there might be a multiple tiers we just had. Number four. Ozzy Albies on your list. So talk to me about how he compares to the top three guys we've talked about and uh, your 2020 value on him. So Ozzy Albies is, uh, I think, quite a bit different from the first three names on this list. He's a more multifaceted player. He doesn't really stand out at anything except maybe batting average and, and not quite in the way Jose Altuve typically does. Uh, but it is worth noting that... Uh, Albies hit 312 over the final four months. Ended up at 295 for the season. He seemed like he was selling out less for the home run during that stretch and still providing plenty of power, still providing a lot of doubles. You know, he's it's he's a, he's a player that you look at, and on the one hand, okay, he stands out in batting average. He'll give you some steals. Maybe that makes him a roto specialist or a categories league specialist. But then he also doesn't strike out much. He also gets a lot of extra base hits apart from the home runs. And that benefits him in points leagues too. So I think he's he's just kind of good at everything, and that adds up to uh, not quite an elite player. I wouldn't put him in the same tier as Marte and Altuve, but he's he's right behind it. And there's nothing from his 2019 stat line that um, raises a red le- red flag for me. 
publicrec.com slash FBT. Think about your favorite pair of raggedy old sweats. You got it? You'll love how comfortable they are to lounge in, but how often can you wear them out of the house? Now, there's a pair of pants that can do both. Introducing the all-day, everyday pant from Public Rec, your new go-to for style, comfort, and versatility. They're the first sweats that have waist and inseam sizing. So whether you're short, tall, like me, by the way, I am six foot four, and it can be a thing with me. These are beautiful. Or you're somewhere in between, they'll fit perfectly. They've got nine different colors to choose from. I've got a little word association, Mr. Scott White. Dark olive. A little birdie told me that Scott White requested dark olive. Do you love your dark olive? I do. And they are super comfortable. They make me never want to take them off. I just wish I could wear them all the time. There's, and I can't. And that, I like the I like the olive. Yeah, I, I like. I think it's a nice neutral color that doesn't get enough appreciation. And I think it's great. I'm so happy that you chose dark olive because I feel I feel like you are the champion of the dark olive. Me, I'm out there. Give me a dark blue. Give me a black. Scott White says no. Hold that. Give me dark olive. Those are the type of choices they've got for you. I've got trouble choosing. Scott did not. That's why you got to go check them out. These are called the all day, every day for a reason. Perfect for any dress code. I can throw them on. I'm good at work or at home. And right now you can get an exclusive offer just for our listeners. Go to publicrec.com slash FBT today and get 10% off your first pair of their all day, every day pants automatically applied at checkout and always with free U.S. shipping and free U.S. returns. Don't sleep on this rare opportunity to get a discount. That's publicrec, rec spelled R-E-C dot com slash FBT for 10% off. Go do it. Public rec. Get yourself some dark olive. That's what I say. All right, let's jump in back into this bad boy. Number five, how the mighty have kind of fallen here. Mr. Whit Merrifield, Scott, was a it was a popular second round, even closing into first round pick because of the power speed combination. It all tapered back. He is still a solid, solid player, but he's not quite what everybody had hoped for this season. Talk to me about 2020. I mean, this is kind of the problem with making too big of an investment in speed. In Whit Merrifield's case, it ended up being survivable, I think, because he does have some some areas where he uh, still excels. He's one of the best line drive hitters and managed to hit over 300 for a second straight year because of that. He hit 16 home runs. That's not nothing, although it's a little well, underwhelming I mean, in it, today's environment. It's kind of close to nothing nowadays, but I know well, I get your point, and I'm with you. It, it was more than the 12 he hit in 2018, but anyway. Yeah. Um, Going from 45 steals to 20, that's that's a blow. That's a big that because the steals are the main thing you wanted him for. And the, and what's even worse, he was 20 out of 30, so it wasn't even a great success rate for a guy who's on the wrong side of 30 now. I don't know. I, I mean, five could be too low or it could be too high. It it just depends on how much he bounces back with the steals or if if you know this is the start of a decline in that area for him. Yeah, it's a little bit of a worry because the, he played 162 games this year. The previous two years, he did not. Now, I'm making a big about nothing. He played 158 in 2018, but he only played 145 in 17, and he stole 34. Last year, he stole 45, then he stole 20. I think what you see from some of the early drafts where Merrifield is above a guy like Cattell Marte is the belief that this is going to turn around. I'm not sure exactly where it comes from. You know, he did, like you said, he only attempted 30. Um, Mondesi is a player that is going to be very aggressive on the base paths when he's out there. And he's healthy. I'm just not sure we have much more than a track record of the previous two seasons to say that Merrifield 
could steal more. He doesn't hit for a ton of homers. I think he might still be a little bit overvalued. I think the perception of the early drafts are telling us that where he's going ahead of Torres and Cattell Marte. He's well, not an steals, elite base sealer. All steals guys are overvalued. And mm. yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's what it tells. And that's why, you know, we're going to get to one a little later who went fifth overall or actually fourth among second base eligible players. Um, on average in the in the two early mocks, which again is specifically a roto format. I keep want to I want to keep stressing that because I'm sure if you're in a points league, then all the steals guys fall down a bit. But we're sure. going to get to one a little later who I have outside my top. I have him tenth and he ah. went fourth on average, and uh, we'll we'll get into him yeah. then. All right, well, Just a little tease for you. Yeah, I know I like that tease because I saw where he was and I was like, very interesting. So. Number six and seven, I'm going to just list them. We have talked about these players because they both qualify at first base, which I think also increases their value a bit here. DJ LeMay, Hewitt six, and Max Muncy at seven. Any, um, I don't know, any added thoughts you want to have since we did talk about them at first base and they come in as, in your top 10 at second base? And they're also at third base, although that would probably, that would least likely be the position where you draft them. It, it still helps having the multi-eligibility because you never know what's going to happen during the season where, where you might end up having to play them. So at second base is the position where they rank the highest. Second base is the weakest of those three positions in my estimation. I think, uh, you know, kind of what I said about LeMahieu earlier. He's He's a classic case of track record versus what just happened. I think what just happened was supported by all the underlying numbers. I think he's in a great position to succeed as the leadoff man for the Yankees. And, uh, uh, you know, ranking him sixth, obviously sells short what he did in, uh, in 2019. So it's not like I'm not adjusting at all. I'm just maybe not adjusting as much as the average person is. And then Muncie, um, you know, he's a batting average liability. I, I think if you do play in a league that rewards walks, that rewards on-base ability, it's very easy to justify him seventh overall. If you don't, then you could talk about maybe dropping him behind a, a couple of the others uh, that I have ranked right after him. Well, the guy that comes right after number eight, uh, Mr. Jeff McNeil with the Mets, everyone's favorite. 133 games this past year, 23 homers, five stolen bases, 83 runs, and 75 RBIs while hitting over 300, 318 to be specific. So Jeff McNeil, number eight over, I would say a couple very popular names and looking at the early stuff, Jeff McNeil ended up being the 13th second baseman and a couple guys we're about to talk about were, um, were valued over him. So talk to me about your, I would say relative aggressiveness on Jeff McNeil. Well, he was the, on average, he went 11th among players who are going to have second base eligibility in the format. You know, on C in CBS leagues, which is obviously what I'm ranking for here. Sure. So, 11th rather than 13th. But still, yeah, I'm ranking him higher at 8th. I think he's a very safe source of batting average. I think the power that he showed in the second half, I'm totally on board with that. Because he was a power hitter in the minor leagues, and it wasn't one of those PCL things. It wasn't even that they introduced the ball. Uh, it wasn't even a matter of them introducing the juice ball. That didn't happen until this year. And, you know, he was mashing in the minors last year. So I was kind of surprised we had, didn't see any power from McNeil last year. Uh, that was part of the reason I liked him as a breakout this year. And um, when it wasn't there in the first half, I kind of lost hope in it. 
And then suddenly it was. So, yeah, I buy the 16 home runs he hit in the second half. As much contact as he makes, I think he's still a good, safe source of batting average. And uh, and leagues that penalize for strikeouts, obviously he gets a little boost there too. One player hit 19 homers with nine stolen bases in only 84 games. The other player, 24 homers with 40 stolen bases in 2019. These are your number nine and number 10 second basemen. Very, very different, I think, in perception. Just very two different players. Talk to me about Keston Hira and Jonathan VR. Okay. So, yeah, these are going to be, I think, some divisive players in 2020. If we're just evaluating for them for their upside, I get to understand them both going top five at the position. Uh, I don't really fault anybody who takes them that high. Maybe I would VR if it wasn't a league that, you know, emphasized steals. But if it's standard 5x5 Roto, obviously it does. And he was one of the best sources of them. He was one of the few good sources of them. And he did it with some power, too, VR. Going very high in early stuff, by the way. Very, very high. I'm going to be out. On average, uh, he went fourth among second basemen. And earlier, coming up later in this week, if you happen to be listening kind of timely, We've got the first pitch conference that I'm going to be at with a lot of the industry baseball people. And, you know, a couple years ago, I was out and I was doing some interview stuff with everybody, uh, you know, Spore, you know, Saris and everything. And I was comparing Jonathan VR versus Trey Turner at the time and, you know, the viability of the stolen bases being able to maintain. And VR was a player that really dropped off after that big season. I feel like VR is going to be another big topic of conversation, and I'm going to try to get to the bottom with where a lot of people are at on him because he is going incredibly high, and it is he's a weird case, Scott, where he has a track record. He just has a whoop, he has a graph, you know? It's just like the yeah. stock market. It's kind of an up and down, but he's gone back up. Well, yeah, if, we're, if we can skip ahead of Hira for a second because I have some things to say about him too. And just get into VR here, 10th at second base for me, 4th in the two early mock drafts. Um, And so what it really comes down to me, for me, is is this. Um, Steals, I think, like I said, all of the steals guy, I I think, are going too early. I think it's really easy to overdo it on steals steals obviously you need them just like you need any other category but you don't need as much of them as you do any other category probably one big steals guy is going to make you is going to give you a chance of competing in the category but do you think Um, it's worth a chance at competing with a category like steals or do you think it's important enough to try to dominate it. That's, I think, ultimately it's, where the it's problem is. It's the most is. volatile of the hitting categories, I think, by okay, far. Okay, that's fair. But from what I was saying earlier, a guy could just decide to stop running or his team could tell him to stop running, and then and then you're screwed. And I think that's especially true in the case of somebody like VR, who, okay, it worked out for him at the plate this year. His previous two years, he had a combined 689 OPS. So if he normalizes as a hitter, and isn't quite as productive in the steals, or let's say he gets hurt. Let's say he, um, you know, drops in the lineup because he's 
struggling at the plate. Like, what is he giving you other than this? Like, you, it's just, it's a high risk investment for a very narrow purpose and a purpose that, like I said, it's easy to overdo it on at the expense of everything else. I would rather rank them more for their hitting than the steals. Obviously, I'm factoring in the steals potential. I'm not saying I'm just ignoring that category, but I'm not maybe emphasizing it in my rankings to the extent other people will. And just kind of knowing at some point I'm going to have to reach higher than I have a guy ranked to secure some steals. Uh, But I don't want to rank them all that high and put someone else in a position where maybe they do overdo it in steals and they end up suffering in all the other categories because of it. It almost reminds me of like the idea of ranking quarterbacks. If people deal with that and I know bring football over here, people cringe, but it's like, you don't want to go crazy with all the quarterbacks because once you've taken one, it's like, well, I don't still value all the guys here. That's where you start to get into the positional conversation. Uh, what are your thoughts on Keston Hira here? Because uh, we're going to move into a different tier pretty shortly here of second baseman. But Keston Hira, a very popular pick for next year. Nine stolen bases, 19 homers. People want to extrapolate. You're looking at, you know, let's just call it 30 and 20. And that's very exciting at the position. It's a very exciting batted ball profile. He was highly rated as a hitter from the day he was drafted, and I think he mostly showed that. The big issue for me is he struck out more than 30% of the time, which is not something you ever really see. Um, Pretty much the only guys you've seen succeed with that, and it's a very recent development, are monster sluggers like Aaron Judge and Joey Gallo. And, you know, maybe second year, Keston Hero gets better at that. And then my concerns are unfounded. But to me, given the caliber of players I rank ahead of them, that they all look like must-start types at the position to me, uh, I, I don't see the reason to gamble on that. You know, one under one maybe overlooked skill that Hero presented was nine steals in 84 games. I mean, if he's going to be a 20-steal guy too... Um, you know, maybe he'll be fine hitting 250, 260, and you'll still be plenty happy with him. But I think, uh, I, I just think there's more risk here than most people are giving credit for, even recognizing that there's a lot of upside too. Yeah, young bats, that's where that can go. Indochino.com, enter the promo code FBT at checkout. Indochino is the world's most exciting made-to-measure menswear company. They make suits and shirts to your exact measurements for an unparalleled fit and comfort. Here's how it works. You visit a stylist at their showroom and you have them take your measurements personally or measure at home yourself and shop online at Indochino.com. You choose the fabric, you choose your design customizations and submit your measurements with your choices. Relax while your suit gets professionally tailored and mailed to you in a couple of weeks. This week, our listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $369 at Indochino.com when entering FBT at checkout. That's 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. Plus, shipping free. $3.99, friends. That's Indochino.com, promo code FBT for any premium suit for just $3.69 and free shipping. Incredible deal for a premium made-to-measure suit. Once you go custom, you don't go back. We are in what I would say is a relatively different tier from the players we were looking at before. I think that's fair to say. And... I don't want to jump too heavy through them, but I do think this is an appropriate thing to do here, Scott. I would like you to list off 11 through 15. Let's get the names out of the way 
And let's talk about the differences and how these guys tier change each other. So give me 11 through 15. I think 11 and 12 are different from 13 through 15, but I'll go ahead and I'll just say that up front and then list them off. 11 is Mike Moustakis. 12 is Eduardo Escobar. 13, Gavin Lux. See, that's where I see a big drop personally. 14, Kevin Biggio. And 15, the new addition. Drumroll. Tommy Edmond. All right, let me ask you a question first. Even though I know Mike Moustakis is 11, why do you hate Eduardo Escobar? (laughs) <laughs> what has he done to you personally? It's it's weird. It's weird. And and not to jump ahead to third base, but you know, he's barely in my top 20 at third base and this is a guy oh, who just had a 35 homer, 118 RBI. What are you like, doing? RBI that really like made my head spin because that's just an enormous number. We're used to seeing the home runs everywhere, but I mean, I'm not trying to homer out here or anything like that. Like, I like Eduardo Escobar. I don't like him more just because he's an Arizona Diamondback. But 35 homers, 118 RBIs, like Labor Torres. I feel like he had to sell out so much for power that it's kind of surprising he managed to hit 269. Like, 35 home runs, that was an increase from a career high of 23 last year. And that was, you know, and it's the same everyday role. So 23 to 35. Maybe he can hit 35 again. I don't think he hits 35 while also hitting 269 because the fly ball rate was very high all year and it became especially high in the second half. And, um, you know, that's that's really counting on your fly balls to sail over the fence when you do that. So I just I see downside there. But you just hate him is the big key here. I don't hate him. Okay, I know you don't hate him personally. You just you hate his name and his stats and everything that he represents. I don't like he went, uh, where did he go? Let me take out the guys who aren't second base eligible on our site. So he went ninth among second basemen on average in the two early mocks ahead of DJ LeMahieu, Jeff McNeil, Mike Moustakis, who feels like the same player. He's just done it more than once. You know, I, I don't, I don't understand that rationale. Is that is is that why Mike Moustakis is sits above here because you think yeah. it's more sustainable? This is this is kind of back to this is a track record conversation. That's the theme here, right? I well, they basically had the same year this year, right? Fair, yeah. Basically, yeah. I um, guess I just believe I believe in Eduardo Escobar being a better hitter, I suppose, than Mike Moustakis, but they're really not that far what? off. Yeah, they're it's really not that far off, I suppose, though. Yeah. I mean, the other thing to remember, Eduardo Escobar is going to be 31 next. Like, this isn't some yeah, you guy just, old people. just rounding into form. He's some, he was a utility infielder for the Twins who just kind of exploded with everyday at-bats. And, and look, I, I would, it's the kind of thing where I would normally see myself based on, you know, what we've been saying about track record versus uh, versus what just happened, I would I, I don't understand why this is the guy the industry as a whole chooses to be all in on when the peripherals don't really support the season he just had, and yet they're saying nope, this is the guy we believe in, and I'm on the outside saying well, yeah, I mean and maybe this is the one you shouldn't believe in. <laughs> I mean, what's interesting about the two guys if you're comparing them, like Mike Mustakis is more track recordy 250 batting average, but if you go look at Eduardo Escobar, he's hit over 268 for the last two years. So let's say you average it out 268 uh, this year, 272. So he's a 270 hitter 
the power doesn't look sustainable. It was a 12-homer jump uh, from last year to this year. Moustakis, though, has hit 38, 28, and 35 from 17 to 19. He's a big power guy. It was just yep. Arizona had more runners on base. Eduardo Escobar had more RBIs. He had more runs. The homers um, were the exact same in a batting average. So he literally beat Mike Moustakis in every single 5 by 5 category outside of tying the homers. So I don't think it's far off to compare like if you have them close I don't think it's a bad thing even if you want to take Musakis maybe over him I just see the value in Eduardo Escobar as a little bit of a better hitter and the power flew in Arizona what's the difference maker it was 2019 and the bats that Arizona put out there is it sustainable what if you take the back end what if you or what if you you know average them out between his two stints in Arizona 23 35 let's call it 28 if you have a 270 hitter and a two if it's 270 with 28 homers, do you want that with better RBI and run numbers? Or do you want Moustakis's 33 homers with a 250 batting average? I, I do feel like we're just picking apart two players. But to your point, Eduardo Escobar is valued so extremely above Mike Moustakis. Well, why I think, are we the assuming eyes. better RBI and run numbers? Like in terms of it's not like Escobar's a good on base guy. He had 75 runs scored in 2018 playing 151 games. You know, that's not a good number. Uh, I, I, I just. Considering his main skill, if if we're going to take the best case scenario for Escobar, which I assume is the year we just saw, home runs are where he stands out. And RBI, if you know, if the lineup as a whole is as strong as it was this year, fine. But home runs are the easiest thing to find. So just from a, a category scarcity perspective, like why are you taking him over DJ LeMahieu well, or you Jeff be. McNeil for that reason? Well, I, okay. I mean, I think Jeff McNeil could maybe be argued a bit. I'm not taking him over DJ LeMayhew. What I do yeah. think is interesting about the conversation, though, and I'm not, I'm not saying that you're picking and choosing, but there is an argument where you look at some players and you go, "Well, look at what look at what Cattell Marte did. This has to stick. I believe in this season that they had." You've talked more about, you know, what has been seen in the most recent season over track record, but Eduardo Escobar doesn't get that benefit. And it seemed, I, I, but I get your points though. They, they lie in that the peripherals, you know, the elite stuff that he does isn't necessarily elite and it doesn't seem sustainable with like home run, like home run to fly ball ratio seems the thing that you're pulling with Eduardo Escobar, why he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt over maybe some other players who had phenomenal seasons. Does that make sense? I'm saying that. Yeah. I mean, his ex batting average was 250 and his ex Woba was 321. Neither of those numbers is good. Yeah. Okay. All right, we could probably keep going on Eduardo and Mike Moustakis all day long, but Gavin Lux is just sitting there staring at us. Gavin Lux, the new hot bat, minor league uh, player of the year, Dodgers, incredible. I like Lux over a guy like Kevin Biggio, and Tommy Edmond is a really interesting ad since he was off the list and you brought him in. So I don't know, pair these guys out for me. How does how how do these guys, where's the line between Lux, Biggio, and Edmond, or is there one? I think that's that's a, a that's a tier right there. Uh, I, I think the big upside guys are Lux and Biggio. I think Edmund probably has sneaky upside, though, just because of the speed element. He presents 15 out of 16 stolen bases for basically what amounts to half a season's work. So, you know, and, and he hit 304. Good bat skills in terms of hitting for average. The power pretty much all came during September, but it was... It was, it, it's not like there's, you know, it's not like there was a crazy high home run fly ball rate contributing to it, right? It's, I'm not totally buying the power for Edmund, but it's, 
certainly in this environment, environment, you could you don't have to squint too hard to see him being a 20 homer guy. So you could 320 30, I think is in the realm of possibility for Edmund. But the pure skills apart from the speed aren't as standout as they are for Lux and Biggio. Um, and I think if 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 I'm banking, if I'm betting on any of these to break out in a big way, I'm probably betting on them in the order I've ranked them here. Lux followed by Biggio followed by Edmund. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I'm going to have a lot of Lux this year because what I'm interested in is do you think Gavin Lux deserves the Victor Robles, Eloy Jimenez, insert player, Ronald Acuna from a couple years ago, insert player that was taken around 80 to 90 overall that didn't have a track record, maybe didn't even have a team. Do you think Gavin Lux deserves that same treatment of being drafted inside the top 100 based on what we've seen in the minors, very little bit in the major league level on upside for this season? Because he seems like the, if you want to talk about pure upside plays on your list, there might not be somebody bigger than Gavin Lux. I don't think he is. You don't think he deserves the same treatment. And that's largely because I don't think anybody does. I think the number of hitters who are already contributing what we hope to get from Lux is so high. Uh, and then obviously you've got to insert pitchers in there too, which I think are going or at least deserve to be taken more aggressively early than ever before. I, I don't think there's, I don't think my number 13 second baseman, which is where I rank Lux and, you know, it was kind of, I guess, a statement ranking him that low at what's probably the thinnest position. I don't see how I can justify fitting that guy in my top 100 overall. Haven't, haven't worked it out yet, but I don't see it happening. He's a high upside guy. I think I'll have a lot of shares, but you're definitely not wrong about any of that. SeatGeek, promo code FANTASY. Our boys at SeatGeek, they want to hook you up with the best sporting events, best live music, and best comedy, and even more. Because it's never been easier than with SeatGeek. SeatGeek has tickets to all the events that you're looking for in one place. They've got over 50,000 five-star reviews. And SeatGeek displays all of their stuff on an interactive seat map where they've got it broken down into green dots with the good deals, red dots being the overpriced one. It's literally never been easier to make sure you're getting the best deal for your event. Every purchase is also fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence. We've got the SeatGeek app. So SeatGeek wants to give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And all you need to do is use our promo code. So go download the SeatGeek app today. Use the promo code FANTASY and you're going to get $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code FANTASY for $10 off your first purchase. Now we're in the home stretch of the final players. I'm going to lay them out for you. And please give me any notes, upsides. I mean, obviously your rank dictates probably your value system. But I am curious if these guys are tiered out any differently. At 16, you've got Colorado Rockies Ryan McMahon. 17, you have got Brandon Lau at uh, not low, right? No, Lau, low. Lau, just making right? sure. Yeah, no, yeah. I know. I'm just making sure everybody knows. I was just with his brother Josh Lowe. He's a Lau, and there's so many of them, it's very confusing. Tommy Listella. It's his actual brother, right? Well, or no? No, Josh no, is brother. Bro- no, Josh is brothers with Nate. Nate. Josh and Nate yeah, are and brothers. Lows. They're yeah. Lowe's. Lau. Spelled the same, no relation. All right. on the same team with the Rays. Right. It's incredible. Uh, Tommy Listella <laughs> at 18. Robinson Cano, even though you're a known Cano hater at 19. And, and Luis Arise 
at 20 with the Minnesota Twins. So uh, how does this work out? And I'm just joking about a Robinson Cano hater. Are these guys uh, all in the same tier? Are they kind of the throwaway cast? How do you approach these guys? They're kind of the throwaway, I think. And this is really where second base falls behind the other positions is because you can't go much deeper than 15 or 16 before you start having real concerns. I mean, the concerns begin at Gavin Lux because we don't really know what he's going to be next year. He could be a stud. Uh, and I wouldn't have any hesitation to draft him as like a middle infielder or a backup option. But to yeah, your point with third base, and to your point with third base, didn't you say you, you almost couldn't get Eduardo Escobar or you didn't? Right. right. And spoiler alert, Justin Turner's 20th for me at third base. So that's that's comparatively how deep it is. Yeah, Justin Turner versus your 13th second baseman, who is Gavin Lux. That is, it's yeah. definitely a bit of a difference. Brian Lau yeah. is interesting to me, though. Injuries plagued him a little bit this year. Tommy Listell is a super unsexy name, and Luis Arise is fun qualifying a bunch at a bunch of different positions, but it's still kind of empty, you know, it's a empty stats across the board, counting stats at least. Well, I mean, yeah, the counting stats, the batting average, I think. I, I think he's the, like, preeminent average, batting average first guy in the majors now, kind of replacing Jeff McNeil, actually. Looked like he was that guy before. Uh, the power breakthrough in the second half. And now I think it's Arias. And he has good on-base skills, too. So if he became the Twins' leadoff hitter, I think he could move up quite a few spots on this list. But they haven't really been uh, committed to doing that with him. The other name I want to emphasize is Ryan McMahon at 16. He's kind of a tweener for me as far as the tiers go because I think there is considerable upside for him. Does Garrett Hampson worry you, though? A little. A little. More than that, I'm not I'm not sure Ryan McMahon is even as good as his stats were in 2018. Like it it's a it's a bloated ground ball rate that got even worse in the second half and that's always what we, that's what we've been knocking Ian Desmond for over the years and just hoping the Rockies move him out of the lineup. Oh, move him out of the league. Um, I just don't ever want to talk about Ian Desmond again. Now the difference is McMahon is 25 and we saw a player like Juan Soto drastically improve his uh, his ground ball rate, lowering it. I don't see why McMahon couldn't do that. And if that happens in that environment, I mean, maybe he becomes a stud. But I don't, I, I don't, I don't see the path to that as clearly as I do for for players like Biggio and Lux. So I think I'd tier him separately from them. I don't know. I might tier him together. I usually start with bigger tiers, and then if. I don't like the way my drafts are going <laughs> based on that. Like if I keep winding up with McMahon in every league because I'm tearing him with those guys, maybe I change it. But that's kind of how I see it right now. So if I'm breaking down the tiers at this position, I go Marte and Altuve are the studs at the top. Then maybe a big tier of Torres, Albies, Merrifield, LeMayhew, Muncie, McNeil, Hura, and VR. Okay. Then maybe Moustakis and Escobar is their own separate tier. And then the Lux, Biggio, McMahon tier. I mean, the positions in general around fantasy baseball, they feel deep, but this is what this is all about, trying to pinpoint and figure out where is it actually not. It might not be second base. It might be a position that you want to make sure that you cover a little bit earlier rather than later, which might not necessarily have to be the case for the next one we're going to talk about, which is coming up on Thursday. 
the third baseman. We're going to be ranking the third baseman top 20. It is a big list of really good players. So make sure you're tuned in as we continue. We march on here on fantasy baseball today with the third base early 2020 rank previews from our buddy, Scott White. We are out of here though. You can find us on Twitter at CBS Scott White. You can find me on Twitter at is it the Welsh. Hope you guys have a great week. Enjoy that playoff baseball, man. Cause when it's gone, You're all going to be dealing with a little bit of sadness and depression, so make sure you enjoy it while you got it. We'll be back with you again on Thursday right here on Fantasy Baseball Today. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. You expected someone else? So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.